Welcome to My Creative Corner 3, a podcast about quilting, crafting, creativity, with a dash of garden, chatting about current interests, and life in my northern town. You can find show notes at mycreativecorner3.com. You can also find all of my social media, how to purchase a virtual cup of coffee, and all events on the website. Please feel free to stop by and leave a comment. I really appreciate everyone who listens. Thanks for stopping by. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, everyone. Are you squeezing out every drop of summer? I know we are. It's been pretty busy. Today is August 20th, and I'm thinking summer is rapidly coming to a close. I looked in the neighborhood and saw that our trees are starting to get the end of summer look, and the garden is blooming the last of its flowers. My experiment this spring of planting sunflower seeds has resulted in three mammoth sunflowers is the seed that I planted. So three survived and they are about four and a half feet tall. One is a little shorter. There seems to be a little bit of a bloom starting on the two taller ones. So I'm pretty excited that I at least got three seeds and I saved the seed packet and I'm going to try a couple of different things for next year, like soaking the seeds overnight and putting them in the soil. The seeds that I sprouted in the house and transplanted didn't make it. I think the squirrels got them and I think think our growing season is just so short and the temperature is not hot enough to get the mammoth sunflowers to grow eight and ten feet tall like I had hoped they would. I have to say I read a fantastic article that popped up on my Facebook news feed called In Praise of Lazy Landscaping by Elizabeth Florio. I love it because this is how I have adapted my gardening style over the last few years to incorporate maybe a little bit less chemicals, embracing a little bit more organic gardening. That's why my fairy garden and the garden in the back are all very organic and kind of like a cottage garden is what I've try to say to describe it. All the plants kind of grow together. Um, They don't really have a specific pattern or plan. They, if they pop up in a spot in another part of the garden, I might pull one or two of them, but if they seem to be happy in the spot that they're at, I let them grow. Then when the perennials get too big, I do thin them down a little bit, but I have not put any fungicides, pesticides, herbicides, or anything like that for several years. I was going to put seaweed on them this year, but I didn't. And the plants look fantastic. And um, I only watered them 
with a garden hose once or twice. And that was more because I was bored. The plants had wilted a little bit in the 90 degree days, but they really are drought resistant. And so this article talks about not having a turf-like lawn, letting your plants kind of organically grow, um, trying not to waste water by um, putting excessive amounts of water. And I have city water, so I have to pay for the water. And I'm like, that seems like a big waste to to do that. And our lawn is quite weed-ridden, and it's full of native plants. And one of the things that she wrote, I think is so funny, is embrace a weedy lawn. It will be okay. It's very rare that a plot of land caters to a specific single type of grass. So she's talking about planting clover, leaving dandelions to grow in the spring, you know, which we do. I've We've adopted a no mow may this year. She wrote, mow half as often, and we only mowed uh, a few times this summer. Um, most of that is because, it, you know, between being sick and the weather, the, the grass and the plants, you know, the lawn, it's not really a lawn. It's a mixed bag of all kinds of seeds and grass is among it. Um, she also wrote, keep your leaves. We do blow them off the land where we're having flower beds and grass and I do bag them up but if you have a space which I have by the side of my garage left some of our leaves that fall down to compost and then spread that all out over the garden in the spring you really do have built-in compost right I don't um put them in plastic bags I try not to and the city will take them over to the big compost pile in our city and you can go and pick up nicely fresh composted stuff you just have to know it's going to carry a lot of native plants so sometimes it, it's a little frustrating if you you know in the spring to have all those little red nettles grow but I just you know pull them up the other thing she wrote is hold off on deadheading which I have never done and her reasoning is great about um, leaving it there for uh, animals, wildlife, and it leaves a great thing to look at in my garden over the winter. And that's why I leave the seed heads because it does become forage for so many animals and insects. So I, I thought, oh, my lazy gardening is being embraced. I, I'm thinking about planting a little bit more clover um, and letting the clover go throughout the yard which it seems to be doing but you can purchase a mix it sounds like so my lazy gardening has <laughs> paid off it is more earth friendly and it's a little more organic and my yard is full of native plants we'll call them not weeds because you know you have to have the right plant in the right place that is exciting as the sunflowers are getting ready to bloom for September. And I do have this feeling that the seasons are going to be changing. Fall is right around the corner. Been kind of eyeballing all of my fall decor. And I did buy a garland that was just felted spheres or balls that are on a string. And I'm going to hang that up in the next 
mm, week or two. So what have I been up to? Well, um, some things, but it doesn't sound really exciting when I lay it all out. But I, I have to feel happy and positive that I am moving forward and doing a little bit of things each day. I didn't want to make this whole podcast about having long COVID, but I've had to adjust my life a little bit because, you know, you have to. And I have to also be kinder to myself because some days I get very frustrated that I can't go at the pace, think as fast, um, and do as many things in my 15 minute to 30 minute increments as I used to. So handwork is the theme. I have been doing cross stitch. I have fallen back in love with it. So here's the story. Do you remember in podcast past that I had a UFO that was nearly 20 years old. So I went back and did the math and that was a slight exaggeration. It was started in probably 1991 and it was finished or I declared it finished. I wasn't going to do all of the grandiose plans that I had for it in cross-stitching in about 2016. And it was a Santa-themed cross stitch. I had cross stitch magazines as we all did in the 90s. It was a very popular pastime back then. And I found it meditative. But the problem was I had small children. And my grandmother gifted me my great grandmother for Christmas gifted me this beautiful even weave with slubs in it of burgundy and blues and grays. And it's a taupe even weave with two burgundy matching napkins that I had my table for years. Um, then I got into cross stitch by my mom sending me a box in the late 80s that cross stitch was starting to become popular in magazines. And I started with those little strips that you sewed on hand towels. And I did many um, from a Dale Burdett book. And I believe the other day I was rummaging through patterns and I found that book. It's on my front porch and it had, you know, the country geese and all of those cute things. So that's how I started. And then I just went nuts. That's how I do it. You know, you get into something and then I go, wow, I can do the hardest thing ever. I cobbled together a collection of old world vintage looking Santas, very Victorian era Santas. And they were international Santas. Like everything was, that was like my favorite thing in the 90s was Victoria Magazine, Victoriana in my house and everything vintage Christmas. And I had collected all of these patterns. And some people I know also got this magazine and gave me those patterns when they were done reading the magazine. So on the border, they're very small little Santas that are only a couple of inches that are international Santas. And then in the center, I cross-stitched two over two, two threads over two floss threads over two threads of the even weave for a larger Santa in the middle who is surrounded by woodland animals. I did not stitch all the woodland animals, but he does have a reindeer and 
I couldn't figure out what to do with the eye because I didn't like anything that I did. So he has no real defined eye. And it doesn't matter because if you put it on the table, right, you're going to put something right on Santa's face as a centerpiece. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. But um, it was tiny. It was time consuming. And I had small children. It probably wasn't the best idea. I had so many ideas. I was going to put all kinds of cross stitch and um, other types of things on it, like um, holly berries and pine boughs. And I tat, so I was going to tat little snowflakes and I was going to do it. Anyway, it didn't. And simple is better because my idea was, would have been too much. Because remember, Victoriana, lace and too much. That was the theme of the day. But by the time the 2000s came, I was into more simple designs. And the Santas on it are perfect. Now I could still pick it up every Christmas and maybe cross stitch a simple border or something around the Santas or, but I don't know, I kind of like it as it is. Um, so that is where I started in cross stitch. And then when I declared Santa done, I was so sick of it. And sick of the project, I said, I will never effort in my life do counted cross stitch again there were too many colors it was too much shading it take it would take a lot more concentration than I thought I could do like watching a show or um, lighting is incredibly important and I couldn't afford a task light and anyway I was done so Fat Quarter Shop asked me this summer if I would do some stitch alongs with them. And I do this occasionally. If you remember in the past, I've done a few Fat Quarter um, quilt alongs. And this summer I was doing the Granny Square quilt along and the free Granny Square um, bookmark that I made with the cross stitch. And that got me really excited about cross stitch again and then you're know, crocheting the granny squares which has got me going on crochet again and putting knitting aside a little bit so I'm just like super excited because I'm doing you are the boss of your quilt which is a Lori Holt pattern and she says this all the time about your quilt which I believe is very true and it goes in with my being a little bit organic like the garden a little bit off the main path or changing things up or doing things in your own way and that's fine you're the boss of your own quilt you're the boss of your project so it's super cute. It's um about 14 cross-stitched quilt block in a border with that saying in the middle. And if you want, you could put whatever you want in the middle. But I do like you are the you are the boss. And then I'm going to put of what? I'm not sure. Am I going to say of your own quilts, of your own projects, of your own life? I don't know. I'll be inspired at the end. Or just put, you are the boss, and just leave the rest blank. I don't know. Interesting thoughts. I'm I'm just thinking about it and pondering the possibilities. I'm also thinking about doing a fall-inspired stitch, but I haven't decided it 
about it yet. And so I've been hooked on learning how to cross stitch and do a better job of making the back not very messy. So my daughter has sent me a few um, things from TikTok, which I like because they're a couple minutes. They're quick. They're usually very close to look at in close ups. And um, I like doing cross stitch now as a COVID long hauler because it's very meditative. The pattern is there. I can pick it up and put it down. I don't have to do a lot of cutting with dangerous rotary blades. I've had a couple of close calls over the years and I can't stand and think and multitask and do complicated things like that for long periods of right now. So I've put a pause on the granny square because I'm just too tired to do it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And short of breath and coughing every once in a while. And I just don't know how big I want to make it. It's 20 blocks. I'll probably do all 20 and I'm at 13 right now. So I've put a pause on that and just gone nuts with cross stitch because I come home from work and this week, especially it's been, I'm exhausted, but I can pick up that cross stitch and do it 15, 20 minutes, or maybe even an hour during a show. And it is not the cross stitch of the 90s. Lori Holt's patterns don't have 10 million shades of red like those Santas. And I have learned that I need to have very good lighting, which I still have my daylight lamp and I have an Ott table light that I use in my craft room. I love both those lights and they are perfect for the task. Where I'm finding the tiny even weave, I haven't tried again, but I found those two napkins and I thought, ooh, now they would be perfect for a couple of the patterns that are at Fat Quarter Shop. They're called um, stitch cards where each um, little um, pattern is like on a postcard sized um pattern. Uh, my brain is not firing on all cylinders today, but they're burgundy with the slubs. The car, the napkins are burgundy. And I thought those stitch cards would look very pretty on them. I have two of those napkins still, and there were only ever two in the set that I got all those years ago for my great grandmother. Yeah, my great grandmother. I had three of them that made it to nearly a hundred. It was pretty awesome. So I'm very excited about doing cross stitch. The other thing is it's as expensive as you will make it. I mean, you can buy um, even weave that's incredibly expensive. You can purchase uh, Ada cloth, which is not as expensive and floss, which is DMC is about a dollar a skein, I think. And it's super inexpensive compared to quilting. I have a huge stash and that's my goal is to bust the stash, but uh, the cost of batting right now and yardage for backing fabrics. And if you want to have one great big unifying background color or sashing and borders. Yeah, we're, we're, we're looking at it's being uh, elevated to another level of expense. And I'm just like, do I really want to spend that kind of money for those kinds of quilts. I can do scrap quilts all day long and I'm going to have to learn a few things about piecing backs um, and I'm going to need to learn a few other things to <laughs> make it work. 
So I am excited about cross stitch. It's very meditative for me as long as you have great task lighting. And on days where my eyes are tired, I have been known to put a pair of magnifying glasses over my prescription bifocals. So that leads me to thinking, you know, I've talked over the last year about slowing down about all these churning out all of these machine pieced quilts and doing things that are a little more difficult. So the Dear Jane is totally on pause. And what I have maybe all I do for a while, we'll see how I even think about, um, you know, another year or so of looking at those patterns and trying to figure them out. So that's going in the UFO stack. And I started poking around my craft room and it is just stuffed with things in a jumbled up manner. It's not as organized as I would like it to be. It's only gotten worse over the last six months. And I've decided to just take a look at where I'm at on things. And this is a winter project. I've got to straighten it out so I'm not tripping on things or stacks of quilts are falling over on top of me and falling in the way. And <laughs> it's gotten really bad, people. It's gotten so bad. I'm not even ever going to put a picture of it online, but it's bad. So I need to go through the totes of things that I have. I need to go through the big purge, right? Why do I have some of these things? Well, some of them were gifted to me or I inherited it. And now I need to figure out where does some of the stuff need to go? If I'm not going to use it, it needs to find a place to go or be donated, etc., etc. But that's a huge undertaking and a huge project that I'm doing in tiny slices of time over the course of the winter. But I thought first things first, let's gather up all the quilts I need to bind because I will be honest, for several years, my friend who passed away and I inherited part of her stash, she did all of my binding. She was my binding angel because she loved binding. She was really, really good at it. And I am not so good at it. I have six quilted quilts that have been waiting to be bound for probably a year. And... This is the winter that I need to learn how to machine bind. I love hand stitching, but there just comes a point you need to get it done. And machine binding, I love the look of it. I just have been too afraid to try it or learn it. So I'm going to take a class by Diane Harris, which who is a stash bandit quilting, if you want to find her online or on Instagram. And I'm not sure when I'm going to take her class, but she offers this class periodically. And then reinforce all the learning with YouTube videos because I don't learn as fast as I used to. We all do that as we get older. And I, here, drum roll. I found those six quilts that need to be bound. I have seven quilts of my own to be quilted. I have five customer quilts and my mother has several quilts that I'm going to bring home for the winter that um, don't need to be custom quilted. Maybe one or two will be more special. But so I'm going to have a lot of long arming to do. I have at least three UFOs and a mountain of orphan blocks that I have purged and given away 
tons of them over time. So what I'm going to do with the orphan blacks is probably use them in making a quilt jacket this fall. And that will bust some of those. Some of them I'm going to go through and throw away because they're hideous. They were experiments. And some, as I weeded through it, I found there were enough of uh, leftover arrows from a quilt that I did called Show Me the Way that made, um, I liked nine of the 12 blocks. The other three are probably going to just linger in my stash or be thrown away um, or cut up that made a cute topper. But I thought, oh, I've got a baby quilt that I need to give in a shower in November. But that was not it. So I looked through those six of my quilts to bind. And one of them is a tra the traffic jam quilt that I did, um, I think, a couple years ago. But I finished quilting it last year. And that would be perfect as a baby quilt. So that is my goal for quilting. Plus I have a whole bunch of hexagons prepped. And I'm going to start doing English paper piecing. Because sewing and cross stitch are two different things on your stressing on your hands and your fingernails and if you remember right nine months ago I jammed my thumbnail when it was nice and long and beautiful with my beautiful color street <laughs> nail polish uh, kits on um, sets on my fingers and I split it up to the nail bed over the course of a couple months so I've been going to the salon and having her put a special nail um, it's used in nail extenders and it's been holding and I think it's almost healed. We're down to just a little bit and she had, I have not had to have her go back since the last time she put a really thick coat and said, it's not going to come off. It's going to have to grow out and hopefully that will do it. And I think it will. And I'm excited because she's retiring in January and I want that nail fixed so I can do hand sewing. That's going to be my slow stitching quilting projects, English paper piecing. And I started a Manx quilt that I really like. And I've got about, I don't know, one block done, but I'm going to pick that up again over the course of the winter. See, I'm starting to plan my New Year's things as September rolls around. And the goal of all of this weekend in my just a little bit of starting this tidying up organization as I had bought a massive whiteboard at Costco and I want to put it on the wall. So we're going to talk into the next segment about how I'm keeping track of things that I want to do and all of the projects while I'm having what they call brain fog, which doesn't even begin to describe it. I've had brain fog post-cancer. Um, about 15 years ago, they took my thyroid out. That's brain fog where it's like things were slow and it literally felt like I was in a fog. And it took me a couple years to get my thyroid medication adjusted right and to get where I was thinking. I was just slow and everything was there in my brain. It just took me a minute to retrieve it. This is different. 
This is like something has short-circuited in my brain during the infections, and it's like the words just don't come. And my thinking is not just slow. Sometimes it's just like, bam, non-existent. <laughs> and it's just more of a cognitive issue versus this feeling like you're wandering through a fog. It doesn't even begin to describe my experience. So I need a lot of memory aids right now to keep me on task. It's like I am not forgetting how to brush my teeth and get dressed and do all that. But what I do need to do is not get distracted by, ooh, there's a squirrel. Ooh, there's a cross stitch. Ooh, there's an orphan block. Oh, my room is a mess. I'm, I'm usually methodical about how I do all of these things. And so I'm finding that I need um, my Silk and Sonder paper journal is for processing my personal growth and my feelings, documenting my COVID journey, um, just kind of shaping up the things that I want to track and habits and exercise. Um, I was forgetting to drink enough water over the last year because I just got so busy. So I bought this Hydrate Spark water bottle for my birthday in May when I got COVID the first time. And it's been a great help in making sure that I'm on track for my water intake. So I quit getting all of those other infections like UTIs because you're not drinking enough water. And I'm a lot more tired, so trying to bring up some of this stuff is hard. So I downloaded an app on my phone, which I did join an online um, COVID group. I went to one meeting, and it's where my doctor, it's their practice and their affiliation. So it was helpful, and they reminded me, you can download, if you don't have it already on your phone, electronic list making. And I like it because these, you can put a timer on it. it the phone will beat me. I am, it's just an, a list making app. You can put the day that you need to have this task done. You can check it off and it disappears off the list as you do it, which I am a gold star person. I love putting those gold stars on the list and seeing it disappear. So this is helpful for my day-to-day -day stuff. It even is good for reminders. Remember, take your medicine at this time. Remember you have a dentist appointment today, which I've not been able to go. I need to put that on the list to make a new appointment. You know, things like that. So the whiteboard is going to be my crafting stuff because, you know, that's an ever-changing fluid thing. It's also going to be a great place to put down ideas for my podcast. And because I've got, you know, I have a YouTube channel and I've been bitten by this cross-stitch bug. I've put up one cross-stitch themed post and I want to start doing what they call floss tube because I'm probably going to be doing more cross-stitching and I want to do that. And I'm going to keep going, you know, with the quilting and stuff, of course, but those will be incorporated maybe a little bit with the floss tube and they may be with a standalone content also. I mean, my stuff is for fun. So it's like, I don't have to be super serious about it all, but I like to have ideas. It's a nice way to do creative things in a different manner. So I'm looking at my journal right now of the things I wanted to do 
for the podcast. And the whiteboard is going to help me with all of that. And it's going to be near my station for podcasting. So I can also have a visual versus having to flip around in my journal, pen to paper journal, silken sonder journal to be exact. So with all of this um, going on, I think that I feel good about my plan for getting myself organized, getting my craft room organized, doing my homemade COVID rehabilitation process. I've been trying to do a little bit of, I'm doing a lot of research on how to get beyond these initial stages of post-COVID recovery. So I'm doing, you know, smelling essential oils. And there's a whole thing about, you know, smelling the different smells, taking time to remember what it, what memories you have with it, what you remember it smelling like. That seems to be coming and going. Um, that probably takes six months, the doctor said, for it to start to come back in maybe a year. So I'm looking at, you know, he said a year, like mono, um, might took me that long to recover from it back when I was a teenager. And then I'm looking at, you know, my rehab plan for isometric exercise, doing some hand weights when I feel strong enough to do it. And we have um, a leg pressing machine coming for our home gym. So I'm looking forward to that because my legs are super weak. And all of those plans led me to looking at this organization of the craft room. Because in happiness, the happiness project that Gretchen Rubin wrote a while ago now, and I did a big happiness project decluttering and that book just spoke so much to me back in the day that was you know I was recuperating from cancer and it it just really is a good book and and I liked her style and it resonated with me and she's written several books since then um I got looking at this whole room where I do my crafts but now I'm working from home a couple days a week and the desk where I need to work at is a mess and everything around me is pandemonium and she said something in that book that still resonates outer order inner calm and it's easy to get overwhelmed with life uh, right now on a good day and when you're trying to sort out your internal physical mess and keep your life in order. Sometimes you get overwhelmed. And I decided where I want to hang that whiteboard was a vintage cross stitch that my husband's aunt gave to me about a year ago. And she passed in the fall. And she gave this to me because she found it in a thrift shop framed in a Walmart framed that had country French blue wallpaper as the mat around it. Do you remember country French blue from the late 80s? Remember the stitch I talked about when I started cross-stitching with the country ducks, geese, so they were geese from the Dale Burdett, and it was all pinks and blues. And my mom, the kitchen that I have now, my mom did the kitchen in that theme. And this cross-stitch is from that era. It's all done in pinks and blues, French blues, but 
This cross stitch was so yellowed and just kind of, even though it was behind glass, it just was grungy. And it's not what I realized as I decided I'm taking it out of that frame. I want to see what this looks like because it's quilt themed. All the different blocks are stitched and they have, oh, this person's stitch work. I'm looking at it right now is amazing. Her back stitching. Every block is named what they called it back at that time, which we still call most of them these names now. And I soaked it in soak wash. I had several packets of it that were given to me as samples. I think in a goodie bag from a quilt show. And I did one soaking and it lifted so much of the dirt off, but I don't think it's all dirt. I think what it is, is she had wrapped this, I think it's 11 by 14, on a sticker, sticky board that probably wasn't acid free. And the edges especially really, really yellowed over time. So how delighted I was when I took this out it didn't bleed in the soak wash and the stitching on this is the best cross stitching I've ever seen in my life. Her back is, as my grandmother used to say, as beautiful as the front. It's amazing. I'm going to do a floss tube on this and I'm going to show pro the progress process of soaking it. I had a um, a TikTok of what it looked like as I was taking it out of the frame. And I think I did a couple shorts on YouTube. They're only 15 seconds. So it didn't do the whole um, TikTok, but it did parts of it. And what's so exciting about this now is like, what do I want to do with it? Oops, I bumped my microphone. Sorry, folks. Um, I was thinking of making it as a pillow um, but I just by unframing this and soaking it and looking at how this person stitched and prepped this fabric, it's eight o'clock. Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. I think I'm going to frame it again, but in a more modern way. Um, but it's just gorgeous. And this is a wonderful piece because she, um, Aunt Nancy gave it to me. Um, I will forever associate this as a gift from her to me. And the biggest surprise was when I soaked it, it cleaned the Ada cloth up enough for me to see that I've learned so much just by observing this. She stitched her initials. Oh my gosh, labeling. Remember quote labels? Oh, why I don't do it and I need to. E C P. 1988. So I was right. It was stitched in the late 80s. During that time when I was just learning my first cross stitch with the country geese. We didn't have YouTube back then. I had to check books out of the library and read the back of the, the pattern book on how to cross stitch. Mm, I've learned so much. So much just by looking at this particular piece unframed how it was done the edges are zigzagged which I think I'm going to do on my next project probably I might even do that now with you're the boss as I trim it down I think I'm gonna zigzag the edges of the fabric so it doesn't 
unravel and show it more on another level of cleaning on my YouTube channel in the future. Don't know when I'm going to post that, but maybe in the next week or two. Oh my gosh, I just keep looking at it going, it's so good. And it still looks like it did the day ECP. Was her name Evelyn? Was her name Edith? Was her name Elizabeth? I don't know. But her handwork just has been the most inspiring. Can't believe it's still is in such good shape. Now I get why people took it to the thrift store, but you know, my daughter and I have the same problem. If you see something like that and you look at the workmanship and you're like, oh, that, ha that can't stay here. It needs to go to a home where it's loved. That's why I got to stay out of a thrift shop or I will amass so much more stuff. <laughs> All right. I want to tell you one more thing that my daughter sent me that was on TikTok, and I think I am going to go ballistic over trying to make some of these. They are called apron dresses made out of sheets, flat sheets. Now, if you're like me, this is why I got to try this this winter. The bottom fitted sheet always wears out from stretching, from you laying on it, from, you know, your foot usually goes through the end of the sheet by the time it, it gets super threadbare. I keep my sheets until they're so threadbare your foot goes through it. But then I have a top sheet that I never use often because, well, it doesn't match the bottom sheet. This is such a stupid thing, isn't it? When you think, well, what did I do with the last couple of top sheets that didn't match the bottom sheet, I think they went in the garbage for spring cleanup. Well, this slow, what we call slow fashion lady, let me look up her name. I shall be right back. On Tic Tac, her name is C-A-R-A, Kara, um, but her handle is the at sign underscore C-C-C-A-R-A. And she did a short tutorial on how to make these apron dresses. They are made out of the sheet. The sides are open, but they're so large they make a wrap dress where you wrap the front and you tie it in the back and then you flip it over. Your head goes through the hole like an apron and you take the back and you wrap it around and you tie it to the front. And if you really want to, you could sew pockets that would be underneath the overlap on the sides. I would wear these as a house dress. I probably wouldn't wear them as pajamas because you got to wrap it around your waist. Um, they are adorable and she uses vintage super cool floral sheets. I'm like oh my gosh I would I'm gonna be the queen of these for my own house dresses <laughs> because house dresses are expensive to buy. They're very expensive. All this would takes is knowing how to put on she did a little video on how to do cutting of the sheet and how to measure your body and what size sheet top sheet to buy. 
You just need to know how to do, it's gathered around the waist and it's gathered in the bodice. You'd have to cut the neckline and you have um, 10,000 miles of hemming and you attach the top to the bottom with a waistband that has the ties in it. So you have to gather the skirt and you would gather the the bodice and also to fit the shoulders a little bit better you would get make some not gathers pleats in the shoulder so it has this really cottage core soft flowing which is my style you could make it maxi to the floor you could make it shorter I would wear them probably with some of my straight leg um, super tight leggings they're not super tight but they're kind of pants they're they're made to be worn as pants they're knit pants um that you just don't want a short shirt on and they would be great some of them have now been downgraded to house only pants just because the way they fit I'm just like eh, I don't want to wear them out in public anymore they would be great though for wearing under these um you could even put sleeves, like a flutter sleeve on them. I'm just like, my brain is going 10,000 miles an hour over these apron dresses. So I will put a link to this TikTok showing how to wear it. And then you can do your own search on her TikTok channel for her just real brief tutorial. But she gave enough information that she is like, kind of half-hearted about making a pattern or a long tutorial. I mean, her whole thing is she she will sell them. But if people have sheets hanging around, um, make them yourself. And you would find how you can not put more things in the landfill, which I'm trying really hard to not do. So that is it for this week's podcast. I am hoping that all of my excitement over slow crafting maybe has you excited about doing some slow meditative crafting, stitching, cross-stitching, EPP, um, things that are going to take me a while because I'm now to a point where I just want some slow savoring projects. And then when I can, I've got to figure out a new routine for the fall, which I haven't got there yet. Um, on the long arming, it has taken me a very long time to finish up Angel's super cute jewel box quilt, which she did a whole tutorial on her YouTube channel for Halo Inspirations um, on how to make it. Now let me give you the fabric line. It is the cutest and it's very vintage and it, um, one of my cousins, my mom's cousins, who's my cousin too, I guess when you think about it, she says it looks just like quilts that my grandma Sutton used to make and it does, it has that vibe, that feel. It's called Chicka Doodle Doo by Poppy Cotton is the name of the fabric line. It's so cute and it's really got a great hand. And of course, Angel's piecing and her tutorials are impeccable. So if you're interested in how to do a jewel box, I'll put a link to both the fabric line and Angel's YouTube channel. Um, she has a store online and this fabric is for sale 
in her store. So it took me a very, very long time to finish that quilt. And now I got to get it off the frame and bury the threads. So I'm trying to figure out in between my meditative stitching in the evening on how I can still do some long arming. Um, it's not happening in the morning because I need a lot more time to get my morning going. Um, but I think I just need to pop in a few uh, carved out moments throughout the week and upcoming weekends to work on these long arming projects. Um, everybody who I have their quilt understands that I am in a slow snail pace now, <laughs> not super high, um, um, what we call fast as a jackrabbit um, speed. I used to be a lot faster, not anymore, nor do I want to be. I want to do a good job. And doing custom work takes a lot longer than edge to edge. Um, if you are done quilting for yourself, uh, you know, it's just a lot of work. So that's this week's project. That's this week's podcast. And I appreciate you listening. Uh, forgive me for a few of my verbal um, Jeez, my brain just sometimes is not giving me the words I'm looking for, but that's okay. I'm going to keep going on the podcast and I know that you'll be patient. If you would like to support the podcast, you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee at ko-fi.com and links to that will also be in the show notes, which is at my website, mycreativecorner3.com. I wish everybody the most wonderful creative week and squeeze out those last little moments of summer. I just feel like you just I need to absorb every little ray of sunshine that I can and just try to get out and breathe the fresh air. We're going to go for uh, nature ride this afternoon as a little outing and I'm going to get the last of the summer. Maybe we'll pick up a little ice cream on the way by. So have a great week. I will see you next time. Quilt on everyone and if you're getting into other crafts and creativity, so am I. I will talk to you next time. Take care now.